This is a podcast from Minute Media. Peter Peeps, welcome into the Wednesday edition of the PeterCast, your number one spot for all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers. News, analysis, takes hot and otherwise, and plenty more about your defending Super Bowl champions. I am Steve Carney. That is Ren Dax. Ren, happy hump day. How are you, buddy? I've never been better. Thanks for asking. Yeah, It's always better when you're not having to do a Wednesday show or on a Tuesday when you're supposed to be working. Yeah, I actually had the day off. It was the first day off I've had in uh, amazing, Jesus, like like fourteen days. But I mean, you know, I'm kind of preaching to the choir with this crowd. That's for sure. <laughs> you, cer- <laughs> you certainly are, uh, especially because of our guest this week again. Bucks hosting the Miami Dolphins this Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. It is a one o'clock kickoff, and joining us as we do, uh, we go across the field every Wednesday to talk. Miami Dolphins football is our good friend Paul Pickin. Paul is the uh, host of the On the Fin Side podcast, which is also part of the Fan Sided Network, along with us here at the Pewter Cast. He also uh, writes for FinFanatic.com. I know he's a part of that website as well. Paul, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. How are you, my friend? You know, I'd be better if I could open up with defending Super Bowl champions there. I mean, jeez. Are you old enough? <laughs> no, not quite. I, I know I got this white in the beard, but I ain't there yet. Were, were you old enough to see Marino in the Super Bowl? I was. I wasn't old enough to appreciate Marino in the Super Bowl. I was born <laughs> okay. in 79. So okay. it's, you know, it was, ooh, neat. This happens. So, yeah. you know. We'll, we'll be back next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like every year, just like, you know. A lot of the Pats fans had had, had for a while. Yeah, they had I, Brady. Yeah, <laughs> so I we we will definitely get into uh, the Dolphins and Bucks here this week. We've got uh, a ton of good stuff to get to here. But seeing as Paul mentioned Tom Brady and uh, uh, his uh, his time with uh, with New England, and of course Brady last weekend going back to New England and uh, leaving Foxborough with a close shave. And that is there my is. awkward transition <laughs> of the show like, as I'm we like, get into. I'm like, no, no more Brady Patriots talk. Like it, it, that that week made me hate the NFL. Like I did not enjoy that week at all. I'm like, this is just, uh, oh my god, horrendous. It, it was but, just a yeah. little hyped. I mean, I didn't hear much about it. So, yeah. oh my god. Ugh. But anyway, you pulled off the. Uh, I pulled off the awkward transition of the did. show yeah. when, as as we go. To our first sponsor, of course, uh, the Pewtercast is sponsored in part 
by Manscaped. And I have told uh, a certain story about a certain guy that I was in the Navy with and his We should track lack him down and have him on the show. I, I don't think we I don't think we want to do that. Yeah, uh, he's he reminds me of um, Steve Buscemi in uh, Billy Madison. Uh, he looks like the the type that would be looking to try and shoot people with a high powered rifle. Uh, Get off the list. <laughs> not for not not for what uh, I've not for this story that I've uh, always told about him and his poor grooming habits and even worse grooming knowledge. Uh, and you don't want to be him. You want to be able to use uh, the great stuff at Manscaped to help you with your grooming uh, habits and your, uh, I guess, I guess everything that goes along with it. And it starts with, of course, the new lawnmower version 4.0 with its ceramic blade and the wireless charging and the extra powerful motor. And it also uh, comes as part of the performance package version 4.0. With the weed whacker, ear uh, and uh, nose hair trimmer, with uh, a, a package of the crop duster ball deodorant, the uh, crop uh, the toner, uh, and a couple of free gifts, including a storage case and a pair of Manscaped boxers. That's all part of the performance package version 4.0, and you can get that at a discount thanks to us here at the Petercast. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code FANSIDED20. And get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Again, go to manscaped.com and use the promo code FANSIDED20. 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Thanks to the Petercast. And so now we transition back into uh, this weekend's matchup between the Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins. And Ren always likes when I get to ask this first question because we ask it a lot of all of our first time guests here at Petercast. You are the host of the On the Fin Side podcast. You're part of finfanatic.com, Paul. How did you get there? Good Lord. It's, I mean, <clears throat> I grew up in New England. Uh, still As did I. It, it's uh, really because you said Navy. So I got a question for you after the show because I think I might know where you were. <laughs> uh, it might have been right next door to me, actually. But um, no, so my dad raised me a Dolphins fan. We used to split season tickets up at uh, Foxborough. And the guy that runs Fin Fanatic used to run a little website for, for writing just called Fanatics.com. And I wound up just on a whim writing for him at one point and went down for a behind-the-scenes weekend with the Dolphins through that. And um, from there... Uh, hooked up with him and this other guy and they found out they were doing on the fin side. And so we hit it off pretty well. They were doing it as a live call in show on Tuesday nights for two to three hours every Tuesday. And mm -hmm. I called in and they had me camp out for a while. And next thing you know, it's, you know, Oh, you want to hang out for a bit? Sure. Let's do it. And, uh, wound up joining the show, taking off with it. Uh, we actually separated from Fin Fanatic at one point when the guy that runs it kind of stepped away from the show, took it in entirely new directions, added the YouTube piece, and next thing you know, we're having a, a blast with it. It's nice. it's so much fun. Like, I mean, all the connections, all the fan base, like the way that the Dolphins fan base really travels well. Uh, we've had a great time. There's fan clubs all over New England and New York City. So I've gotten to go watch games with those guys, go to games with those guys. Uh, 
you know, watching the way that the, the Dolphins fans raise money for charity through some of these fan events is just utterly amazing. Um, and, and and really, it's just been a great ride with this, and it, it's fun to see where it goes, even though the team hasn't uh, always lived up to it with us. Well, speaking about you know not living up to it, uh, there's a non-awkward segue. Uh, <laughs> we started, you know, last year, or I should say, geez, like two years ago, it was, uh, you know, the tank for Tua. Uh, and then Tua's leg fell off, and he got better, and he fell to you guys in the draft. And he hasn't, I think it's fair to say that he hasn't sort of had the early success like someone, uh, the Chargers, Justin Herbert, had. Um, so... I'll be honest. I said I talked to you, or I said this to you pre-show. Like, there's not. Like, I don't really get a lot of Dolphins news. Like, I don't watch network TV. Okay, so I don't watch ESPN. I don't watch you know the NFL channel. So I get all my football news through Twitter, and I really don't get a lot of Dolphins stuff. So outside oh, looking out in, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you get tons of it. Yeah, I mean you're in it. I, I completely understand that, but. uh Outside looking in, it seems like he's had a you know a rocky rookie year, and and then you know he got hurt. Uh, uh, where is the organization with Tua? Where is the fan base with Tua? Um, you know, is it is it hey he needs more time, or is it like we've made a huge mistake? I think the organization is in a position where I mean, there's obvious talk that they're flirting with Deshaun Watson. Uh, and what I'll say to that is <clears throat> Tua has potential to get to a, a, a high level of play. Deshaun Watson's already there if mm-hmm. he's allowed to play again, uh, which, you know, we won't dive too far into that. I, I, you know, everybody knows that that's old news at this point, as far as that piece goes. But for Tua, I mean, did he have a rocky rookie year? Absolutely. But, he also, we have to remember, was just starting to walk again when the season started from that horrific mm-hmm. uh, hip injury at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> my goal for Tua last year was just, okay, can he survive an NFL season? Because he had a big injury history in college. And he did. And I, I won't factor the rib injury this year because he did try to play through it. And it really wasn't his fault that the Dolphins just went, oh, that guy's blitzing? I'm sure somebody's got him. And, you know, <laughs> A.J. Epineza came in and just lit to his world on fire. But last year, too, with the fact that he was just barely getting to walk again when the season started, he hadn't developed his leg muscle. He hadn't been able to work on his legs all off season. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever tried to throw a ball without being able to drive off your back leg. I certainly couldn't do it the way he did last year. And there were moments of insanely good accuracy. And if there's any quarterback stat I look for, um, it's accuracy because like we all remember Michael Vick, Michael Vick had a cannon for an arm. He had trouble hitting the NFL field, let alone a receiver with, with the ball. Uh, it's just, and, you know, then we, if you look back at someone like Chad Pennington, Chad Pennington threw the ugliest, wobbliest ball, but it was always on the spot where he intended to put it. And so he'd throw an ugly ball and it would float in between three defenders right where a guy needed it. And, and, and so I'll take the accuracy over the 
super plus laser rocket arm if that as, as you were mm-hmm. well it, I, and then going from Tua, you know that brings us to to brian flores wait, 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 and wait, I'm, I'm sorry i'm oh, sorry do you do you have do you have something do you have something Go else ahead. Yeah, I just I just want to kind of follow up on that. So, yeah, so where on. like where where is the fan base with them? Like you know, they're divided. They're divided. Um, I mean, we we've hit an, an era where everything's instant gratification. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Miami had Fitzpatrick last year, who had the maturity, and let's face it, had two healthy legs all off season, and at times could pull out pull that magic out of the hat. And so between the fact that he couldn't get the drive off the back leg last year and they had Fitz magic on the bench, uh, they, they were able to do somewhat of a hybrid and fans want just healthy to to come out and set every record in the record book and bring you to the Super Bowl in year one. Right. And that obviously didn't happen. I mean, Miami had a great record. They just barely shaved off missing or making the playoffs. If they had been in any division in the NFC, they would have been in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so there was that, and then the fact that you know he came out in week one, played okay, um, and then came out in week two and got hurt on the second series of the game by a literally completely unblocked AJ Epineza coming off the edge, which. I don't know about you guys. Anytime I've ever played or watched football, I've never seen a scheme or a blocking scheme that didn't account for a defensive end. Right. Not on a <laughs> passing play. Yeah. On, on any play, like unless it was, you know, something like a read option, but this wasn't. This was just a straight up passing play. Right. That's that's wild, uh, <laughs> you know. Thinking about you know what caused uh, to his injury, but you mentioned that the fan base is kind of split uh, on Tua. I I want to know how the fan base feels about Brian Flores because now that's this is now three straight losses and losing twenty seven seventeen at home to a quarterback. And I know that Tua is hurt, but you know Carson Wentz played with no feet <laughs> you know too bad uh, too bad ankles yep. jonathan taylor you know there was talk about would he play uh he ends up playing but you've got a banged up taylor and carson wentz who can't really do much of anything but they go on the road to miami and they come out with a win i, I am curious to see what the fan base is feeling about brian flores after this stretch here so the fan base is a little divided right now on this. I mean, if you asked a month ago, the Dolphins fans were gung-ho in flow we trust. That's my coach. You name it. Uh, but before I actually dive too far into that, I will mention as well, the Dolphins started last year 1-3. and three. Yeah, They did not get off to a hot start last season, and they finished with double-digit wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's certainly achievable. Um, but what I will also say is the play calling has been poor. Uh, it's particularly on the offensive side of the ball. You can see the letdowns from that on defense. Uh, there have been a lot of critical mental mistakes. Um, last week against the Colts, the defense stopped them three and out, and then a lineman jumps off sides on the punt play and gives them a first down. Uh, mm-hmm. Jakeem Grant muffed the punt return 
last week again, uh, which I know we'll dive into that in a little bit since he's been in the news this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the play calling on offense has been just bad. It, it's They've got two offensive coordinators, but it's come to light that neither offensive coordinator calls the plays. It's actually the quarterback's coach who is in the set headset that's calling the plays. And it's like they're playing not to lose the first three quarters of a game. And then, and, and this this is where the Greer piece comes into it, the, the general manager, when they finally open the playbook beyond page one and go, like, I don't know if you've ever played Madden. There's, like, that stupid little Madden assist mm-hmm. menu of three plays you can choose from. Or you can go, you can look at the whole playbook. And this is, like, they're just going to the little Madden assist menu and only choosing what's on that. You can't even scroll with it and only choosing either A, B, or C. And it, it's very bad. It, it's it's very bad as far as the play calling for through three quarters. And then it's like they suddenly remember that they've had guys averaging five yards a carry throughout a game with limited carries. They've had Devontae Parker sitting there waiting for the ball the whole time. It's like they only go to Mike Gesicki when the game's already out of reach. It's they only seem to make good aggressive play calls and play to win when they've already lost. Okay. Well, that brings me to, I guess, sort of the Brian Flores philosophy on, mm-hmm. you know, sort of how he wants his offense defense to look, uh, you know, how he wants to go about building a, uh, you know, a championship team and a roster. Um, it's it's just it feels a little weird. I mean, I, I've been fan. I've been a fan of Bucks teams. Everything you said sounds very familiar to me. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, years past where it's just they're not putting the ball in their playmakers' hands early, and then yeah. when it's too late, then all of a sudden now we start chucking all over the yard or or start you know pulling linemen. Uh, hey, look, play action. Oh, it works. Like, but now it's it's too late. Yeah. So. I get all that. So, but what is, I mean, I can't imagine that, you know, this is blind for us standing up at the podium, you know, after, you know, the, the Colts loss going, yes, yeah, is exactly the way we, you know, we thought we'd play offensively and defensively <laughs> and drew it up. So, so what are sort of his core values and, 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 you know, what does he, what does he have to change to sort of get the Dolphins rolling this year? Oh, sorry. I lost you for the last second there. What was the last Bit of the question. I, what is his core philosophy, the head coach Brian Flores, and you know what does he has to change to get the Dolphins rolling? Did you lose me again? Hello. Paul, you got us. He's kind of moving. Oh, you guys there? Oh, we're here. Are you here? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Sorry, it seems to be fuzzing fuzzing out a little bit. I'm here. It's okay. Did you get that last part the second time? Um, I think I know what you guys were asking there, so I'll, yeah. I'll jump in with a supposed answer. How's that? All right, we'll see. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. Let, let's let's just let's just guess in the dark at what we're answering and see 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 how close I hit to the mark. It's, it's, it could be a fun new game. Let's see how it works. All right, sounds like Brian uh, Flores' play calling. Yeah, right. It's one of those it's, phone you know, commercials. Just like just call whatever, whenever. Um, so <sighs> Flo does take accountability, uh, which I respect. He seems to have trouble finding somebody on offense that is going to do the things he wants the way he wants. The interesting thing I would say philosophically is if you look at the Dolphins last year, they had one of the top defenses in the NFL. Right. 
Um, they haven't, you know, completely stripped their defense. Um, they have gotten rid of a couple of guys that didn't have huge impacts at times last year. Um, one guy I was a little bothered by, but they did replace him with a rookie that, that seems to be doing well. And then a, a second year player that seems to be doing well. Um, and they added a couple of vets in the secondary. They managed to pacify Xavier Howard. Uh, but if you watch their defense last year and their approach, it was wholeheartedly different. And whenever they changed what they were doing on defense, you couldn't identify it because they were running that psycho amoeba style defense last year. Can uh, you explain that, please? What oh, absolutely. It, it's primarily with your front seven, uh, but occasionally involving a couple of safeties. It's you've got guys moving all over the formation. It looks like a mess. I remember the first time that they ran it. And I just looked at it and went, what the heck are they doing? Why aren't they ready? And the second they snapped the ball, you didn't know who was coming, who was dropping, who was going where, even if they were coming. Um, occasionally, like last year, they would have Bobby McCann up at the line of scrimmage, but he was actually the deep free safety uh, in single high. And as soon as they snapped the ball, he ran back there. But other times they'd blitz him off the edge and one of the other safeties would shift to single high. Um, you really... It was very hard to identify what the Dolphins' defense was doing. If you go back and you watch the Dolphins versus the Chargers last year, mm -hmm. the Chargers were within striking distance of the Dolphins um, the last, I think, quarter and a half of the game. And they had Justin Herbert so flustered and confused and upset um, and mistake-ridden that the Chargers, even still within striking distance, started just running the ball because they were afraid to throw because they couldn't understand what Miami was doing, what their coverages were, uh, and the mistakes that Herbert was making on the day. Literally had him, and to steal a quote from Sam Darnold years ago, seeing ghosts. And like he was throwing interceptions to defensive linemen because he thought they were coming and linebackers came through. And Miami was able to manufacture a number of sacks through that methodology and they're built to play that methodology. It was a positionless defense and they got away from that and you're seeing the impact of it in their stat lines. So what are they doing now then? Oh, they're just setting up where they're supposed to be and, you know, just running a very basic vanilla defense and they're not generating a, a tremendous amount of pass rush outside of maybe Emmanuel Agba. Um, they're not doing a tremendous amount of, of blitzing the way that they did. And they're not really masking their coverages. And, and on top of that, they're on the field far too much. And you can see, and this is something actually, uh, I was on a, a show with Richmond Webb last night. One of the things that we've talked about, and he, he reiterated last night, was you see the defense start to let down as the game wears on because they see how ineffective and silly the offensive play calling is and 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 that it's not NFL caliber. The shining example of that wasn't actually in this past week's game. It was against the Raiders two weeks ago. I don't know if you guys saw the safety um, that Miami had in that game or had against them in that game. But Miami jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead. They were at the one yard line uh, after tremendous, tremendous play um, and really playing with their backs in the end zone. And 
So I'm going to ask you guys before I tell you the story, if you haven't seen it, what do you do at the one-yard line with your back in the end zone? You run them off the center's butt. Right. Yeah. 100%. Miami came out five wide. Mm. And the old don't block the edge scheme. Oh, oh no, it gets better. <laughs> they ran a wide receiver screen where they dropped Jalen Waddle back two steps into the end zone, threw the ball to him. The corner bit, not a bit, saw it coming a mile away. And his only hesitation seemed to be like, y'all are really doing this? <laughs> and then he basically came up and met Waddle as soon as he caught the ball for a safety th four yards deep in the end zone. Like, I, I looked at my 9U and 7U offensive coordinators after that game who are also Dolphin fans up here in New England somehow. And I told, I told them, I'm like, if you ever made a play call like that with our 7U and 9U, I'd tell you to go sit with the other parents. <laughs> like <laughs> it's we'll talk about it after the game and see if you, you should be here anymore. Cause that's funny. It's, it's so mind boggling. And, and it's probably even more mind boggling knowing that you can't go five wide really this week because Will Fuller is on the IR now and, uh, as you mentioned, Shocking. Jakeem, Will Fuller's hurt. I know. Will, Will <laughs> Fuller, Will Fuller, the uh, bone China, bone China receiver, uh, and Jakeem Grant, who muffed punt, as you mentioned, is now a Chicago Bear in exchange for a 2023 draft pick. Which, by the way, I didn't realize, uh, and and I said this today on the radio, I didn't realize that you could trade 2023 draft picks now. I thought you had to wait until draft day. To to get a uh, to get a two year uh, two year uh, draft on. No, there were, no. there were people trading twenty twenty three picks during this past year's draft. Yeah, I mean, you, if you look at the Laramie Tunzel deal, the Dolphins made with the Texans two years ago, um, they traded for like I mean, they basically just robbed the Texans of like any form of a future. Yeah. Uh, well, all I all I remember all I remember is like I know like you can't trade like draft picks like six or seven years down the road uh that's not that's not allowed it's not this is not the nba where you can trade draft picks you know in the next generation <laughs> but, well, why uh, would you with the general shelf life of a general manager these days like right. it's you're trading for future capital you're probably not going to see exactly um but uh you know i i do want to ask about the the wide receiver situation now with fuller on the IR with Jakeem Grant gone and Devontae Parker and Gesicki really have had kind of slow starts here uh, this, this year. I mean, what is, what is Jacoby Brissett doing, you know, to try and get some pass, get, get some uh, passing yards uh, involved? Well, so that's really two different answers there. Uh, Miami could absolutely still go five wide on any given play. Uh, they tend to utilize Savan Ahmed as a wide receiver a lot. And on top okay. of that, they still have five healthy receivers on their roster right now with Devontae Parker, Mac Hollins, Albert Wilson, Jalen Waddell, and Preston Williams. In, in addition mm -hmm. to that, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring Kirk Merritt up from the practice squad who had a tremendous preseason and really showed a lot of promise in college. Um, 
beyond that as well, Mike Kosicki isn't a classic tight end. He's a big slot receiver. Yeah. Um, and then you've got guys like like Hunter Long that you could put on the active roster this week who had a, who did a tremendous job as a receiving threat for Boston College. So you've actually got a tremendous number of options. It just feels weird to say because Miami, I believe, had seven wide receivers on their roster and five tight ends uh, after cutdown day. Mm-hmm. So they actually had and, – and on top of that, they've got running backs that can play wide receiver pretty well too. So it's you've got not only the option to run five wide, you've got a tremendous amount of options to run five wide there. Okay, uh, but then, but then, you know, what is Jacoby Brissett doing then? Uh, doing a tremendous job of evading the pass rush and a mediocre job of hitting wide receivers uh, downfield. The play calling has him literally hitting the hitting receivers within two yards of the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. um, until. Miami gets tremendously behind. And then suddenly that's when you see guys like Mike Kosicki, uh, like Devontae Parker, um, come into the mix here. Uh, and, and really, you know, Mike Kosicki has 18 receptions already on the year, a uh, quarter of the way through. Um, so, I mean, he's on pace for about 80 receptions this year. Uh, Devontae Parker, uh, I believe he's got, 72 receptions at this point um so i mean he's actually on pace for a thousand yard season and you know it's jalen waddle has 25 catches for far fewer yards than 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 Devontae parker at this point Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's really the fact that they're not being utilized in a way that's any type of threatening until the game is out of reach yeah you talk about jalen waddle i wanted to you ask you about him specifically, the Chinese toy, the first round draft pick. How's he doing? How's he look? I know it's not quite fair because, you know, he doesn't have a starting quarterback, only had him for one game. Um, he does have, you know, a nice amount of catches, but as you talked about, like the yards are, it, it's, it's, it's almost, it's Abysmal? near impossible. Yeah, it's near impossible to have like 25 catches and the amount of yards, the fewest that he has. Um, so, you know, what, What's Waddle look like? Is people happy with him? Have they not found the niche? Is he struggling? He's not struggling. I think he's being used oddly. Okay. Um, he, he's he's got a tremendous amount of receptions for a tremendously low amount of yardage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hate to use tremendously twice like that, but it's tremendous. It really is the case. Uh, <laughs> it's he's going to be the punt returner after the Jakeem Grant trade. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to find ways to utilize him and get him out into space. But Miami tends to be uh, misusing a lot of their players uh, in a lot of cases, which which is also the case with, with Waddle right now. Uh, they need to have him run some more developed routes or a better route tree than, you know, the number of little screen dumps that they have to him right now. Okay. Um, do you got anything left on the offense, Steve? I want to switch over I, the defense. I I do I do got I, I know you're going to ask about this offensive line. I of know course, that's it. that's the that was that's what I that's what I was looking at. You mentioned uh, AJ Epinez's uh, unblocked uh, destruction uh, of Tua in Week Two, and, and I saw that you know there's talk uh, about trying to switch your uh, second round pick Liam Eichenberg. Uh, out of Notre Dame, moving him from the left side over to right tackle. 
Uh, but pro football focus is, you know, looking at pro football Focus's grades on uh, him and Austin Jackson, it, it, it ain't pretty. Uh, I mean, this is this offensive line is in really, really rough shape. So it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, the scheme is 73rd overall sound pretty bad. Oh, it does. It does. Um, they've actually got, and again, this is another coaching faux pas, uh, at the moment. Austin Jackson is not a good left tackle right now. He's got a lot of the athletic tools to maybe be one in the future. He shouldn't be starting at left tackle. In all honesty, Robert Hunt last year, or so I'm jumping in two different directions, but I'm starting at the tackle spot. Robert Hunt last year played above average as a right tackle. Mm -hmm. And he did a very good job and really set the table for something to build upon. Um, Solomon Kinley did a great job right next to Robert Hunt playing right guard as a rookie last year. Um, So naturally, the Dolphins coaching staff went, I'm smarter than all of you. We're moving Robert Hunt into guard. We're moving Jesse Davis, who plays better at guard, out to right tackle. And then we're going to draft this tackle from Notre Dame, um, Liam Eichenberg. And we don't know where we're putting him yet. But I think we're going to slide him into guard. Uh, which, look, if, if, if you want some real numbers on Liam Eichenberg, look up his college numbers. Uh, yeah, I saw he like gave up two sacks in three seasons at Notre Dame. Um, I think I think that's what he I saw. gave up. I think two sacks as a freshman, and then I don't think he gave up a sack his final two seasons. Yeah. So like it, it's it's it and like barely any any pressures. Um, which you want somebody to protect to his blind side. That's the guy. Like, mm-hmm. and he's had a lot of very good moments, but they've been sliding him around, and he's not a natural at guard. He's played better than some, uh, but he, he he looked very good at, at, at tackle, and there were a few things that got graded against him that really weren't his fault, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, they've got the tools to, f- to fix the offensive line. If only they could fix the blocking scheme because end of the day, like that A.J. Epineza hit where, where Buffalo just kept coming off that edge, untouched, unchallenged, unchecked, that's a schematic issue and a fundamental issue of your playbook when you've got when you're allowing a pass rusher to come in untouched you don't have a back dedicated to that side in that instance you don't have a pulling guard going over there there is something broken in your scheme at that point mm-hmm. as far as your blocking scheme goes okay i want to switch over to defense um absolutely they're not play- they're not playing this amoeba. Uh, hard to tell what's coming in coverage. You know, all uh, any of the eleven guys can come at any time. Now they're just kind of getting in their positions early and standing there. And and uh, you have arguably the best cornerback in all of football, and Xavier Howard. Um, who else, as Bucks fans, should be looking at? Or another way to put it, like. Where where's the strength of this defense? So really it's Miami has a lot of really good players on defense. Their defensive line is is tremendous, even though they're not getting to the quarterback as far as sack totals go. They're putting a tremendous amount of pressure. Um it, it's 
they're get they should get Raquan Davis back this week, which will be very helpful for their their front line. Uh, Jerome Baker is below a lot of folks' radar, uh, but he's a great blitzer. Uh, he's good in coverage, and he's tremendous against the run and can play sideline to sideline. And then Miami's secondary outside of nickel corner, which which I'll, I'll bring up. I mean, I would actually argue that Miami has the best cornerback tandem in the NFL in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Um, It's Byron Jones has been a steadily improving player since he came into the league at UConn, uh, was with Dallas. Miami signed him last year before the season. He came out and played tremendously last year, especially for somebody that gets challenged a lot and actually pushed some challenges back Xavier Howard's way, which is why you saw him get so many interceptions last year. I mean, you don't, you don't challenge one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL enough to, to allow him to get that many interceptions unless his running mate on the other side is, is doing a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great um, They've got two young rookies that play in, at safety, uh, well, a rookie and a sophomore uh, in Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, who both have done a lot of good work this year. Uh, Brandon Jones did a lot, a lot of good stuff last year. And then they've got McCordy at, at, at the other safety spot, who is a savvy veteran that Brady's going to be familiar with from up in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got Justin Coleman in the slot. And it, it's another case of it being mystifying to me that Nick Needham did a great job last year in the slot and showed mm-hmm. a lot of improvement as the season wore on last year. He, are, he, he did a much better job than what we've seen out of Justin Coleman this year after being signed in the offseason. And Miami continues to trot Justin Coleman out on the field. I would expect Brady to target Coleman early and often if he's watching any form of game tape. That's I was I was just going to ask about about you know when when you talked about Coleman and you know is with this do you think this is the the big Antonio Brown uh, this is a game that Antonio Brown's probably going to get a lot of looks. Uh, I do want to ask you about Byron Jones. I saw that uh, he did not practice. Uh, today, is that surprising? You know, what, what's the, what's a little the, bit, the, I was looking at, I was looking at that myself here before the show. I mean, there's not a lot, a big report on that out there with him. I expect him to play this week in all honesty. I mean, if he wasn't expected to play, we would have heard a lot more about it at this point, because that is such mm-hmm. a critical player for the Dolphins defense. Okay. okay. Uh, taking a, Question from chat. There's always yeah. a fantasy football angle around here. Xavier Howard is does he does he follow the number one receiver? Did these guys, him and Jones, stick to their sides? What has Miami been doing this year? Miami typically will have them stick to their sides, but they will occasionally have X follower receiver. Um, they had Byron Jones help out uh, with um, oh god, the Darren Waller. From, from the Raiders. So it really depends upon their matchups. And floor, they will change that up depending on what their matchups are if they think they've got something favorable. Okay, okay. Oh, is the Mike Evans question? I'm looking at the questions right now. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. He wanted to know if he should bench Evans because if Howard was going to follow. Um, it, seem, it, seem like, it seems like to me with, you know, your problems with Coleman, I think, you know... Uh, Steve talked about Brown. I think it's Godwin's week. If uh, you know, if if Miami is gonna not try to disguise their defenses, and you think the worst player on their defense is at nickel corner, um, you know Chris Godwin could have a huge day. So, 
Anyway, that's what I have with that. Um, got anything on the defense, Steve? Um, no, I think I think I'm I I don't have anything else going with the with the defense. Okay. Most so, of my most of my stuff has been offensive. I'll, I'll I'll jump in with a couple of things on defense that probably fly below the radar because I yeah, know please. Landon Roberts had a pick six last week. Um, he's one of those guys that he's a guesser. Um, he's one of those guys that. He will guess, and he'll go a 1,000 miles an hour. And I know Brady's going to be familiar with him, and he's going to be familiar with Brady from their time up in New England where he even played some fullback when Brady was a quarterback. Um, he had a pick six last week. He's the type of guy that is going to guess a hole on fourth and one. Um, and if he guesses right, it's a tremendous play for the defense. If he guesses wrong, it's typically a tremendous play for the offense. Uh, it, it's It's one of those goofy things. And then – a couple of guys to watch in the front seven as well for the Dolphins uh, for you. Uh, Zach Sealer, who's built like Sully from Monsters, Inc. He's one of those under-the-radar guys. Uh, but he does a tremendous job against the run and generates more pass rush than he should with the speed he has from that that other defense, the more interior defensive end slash DT position. Right. Uh, if Raekwon Davis does play, he's he is a great one to watch. Miami's second rounder from last year, who really came on as the season wore on. And then Andrew Van Ginkle is due for an explosive week coming off the edge from that outside linebacker slash pass rusher position for the Dolphins. He's he's their long haired wonder boy um, on the outside, and he had it, it, last year with Miami. He had a number of just huge game-breaking, game-changing plays coming from that position. He's, he started out a little quietly this year, but he's a threat to turn that back on at any point in time. We've talked a little bit about um, sort of the, you know, Brady will know this guy from his time in New England and this guy. I mean, so your quarterback, your head coach, a couple other players out there, uh, if you're going to – if you had to, I guess, judge this, do you think it's going to help the Dolphins out more being familiar with Brady, or is it going to help the Bucks out more with Brady being familiar with them? Only because there we've seen moments, and this was true up in New England as well, from Brian Flores, where the more he knew about a quarterback, um, the better he would scheme for those individuals. Like you look at New England's last Super Bowl run with Flores up there when Brady was there, and, and you can argue that almost the MVP of the Patriots in that playoff push was Brian Flores. Um, the schemes that he came up with where he completely changed the defense every week based upon the tendencies of the opposing offense right? Um, were, were astronomical. He shut down some high-powered offenses and made them look piddly and poor and like unplayoff worthy um, in that in that run up to the Super Bowl uh, that season so if he is able to play off of Tom Brady's tendencies and and scheme the defense up properly for that that edge could go to the Dolphins I mean because Brady's time in New England a lot of these players were not in Miami when Brady was up there uh, right. Miami has churned their roster heavily over the past couple of years. So it, it is a different roster than what Brady is used to from the Dolphins. Um, the interesting thing for me, actually, and it was a little heartbreaking to look at, was when I looked at your coaching staff, uh, 
for the Bucks and saw that under Bruce Arians, it's, you know, Keith Armstrong, former Dolphins coach. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles, former Dolphins defensive back and, you know, interim head coach Todd Bowles, who was a tremendous defensive coordinator. And I, I really should have been a shoe in for that job with the Dolphins when, uh, after being the interim coach and leading them back a few times. Byron Lefwich uh, got kick-started with the Dolphins. It, it's You have a very Dolphin-themed coaching staff up there in Tampa. You can have Keith Armstrong back. <laughs> you know what? After last week, don't don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of uh, after last week. It's hard to cry poor mouth uh, on a special teams. So, yeah, um, with what happened to you guys last week. Uh, okay, last one for me. Game's over. Triple zeros in the fourth quarter. You look up at the scoreboard. Dolphins have won the game. How'd that happen? What has uh, to happen for the Dolphins to win this game? Brian Flores has to rip away play calling from his coordinators right now. Um, tell, force them to open the playbook up like they have been in the fourth quarter of the past few weeks. Uh, and, and additionally, you see Miami get back to what made their defense so great last year. Uh, if, if they can get back to that psycho amoeba defense, the sky's the limit. Their personnel is designed around that. And you probably saw Xavier Howard pick Brady off a couple times. If if that brings a Miami win home, all right, yeah that that uh, that sounds like it's going to take uh, all that and and then some for uh, for win number two on on the not year. a lot of not a lot of optimism coming from you, well, Paul. No. I mean the, the 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 thing is the talent is on this roster. Just have the talent is absolutely yet. there, and 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 that makes this a team that can explode on anyone in any given week. The right. coaching, especially from the coordinator spots this year, Hasn't has been very positions. poor. Um, it, it's, it's, you've got guys really seem to be schemed into the wrong positions. You've got questionable at best play calling at times. And then you see when, when they do open the can, it, it goes all the way open and, and you see – like and, and you're watching Mike Kosicki catch a thousand like a thousand passes thrown his way in a game, <laughs> and, and like with ease getting open and and Miami's missed a lot of open receivers this year, so it, it's really the potential is there to be explosive and almost this team is is like what I said about a Landon Roberts, where if they hit it right, it's phenomenal, and when they hit it wrong. It's so bad. So we can. We, so we should be hoping for a lot more of the bad, and uh, hopefully being down or being up big in the fourth quarter, so we can maybe actually see the play, uh, the play calling. I, 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 yeah. Now I got to ask you guys though, how's yeah. Jalen Darden been this year? He was a guy I was so into in the draft. Non-existent. Yeah, I was gonna say almost non-existent. He's only really? been active for one game. Uh, because there was, we have our, our punt returner is Jaden Mickens. Yep. Uh, it was more of a, with this team, you don't have to put people in positions they're not ready for yet. And they felt Darden, you know, wasn't, he hadn't quite learned that he's not the fastest guy on the field anymore. 
Uh, so he would give yardage away to try to out, you know, get around the edge and then end up losing yards. Uh, he did it in a preseason game where he had the first down and then gave up yards and then got tackled and didn't get the first down and ended up being third down. They're not mad at him and they don't think that there's anything wrong with him. It's just that, you know, they trust, they have with more, they trust Jaden Mickens has more experience. He was gone, he was out for one game. Mickens came in. Um, you know, did the re- punt return duties, uh, muffed one, but he fell on it and he had a couple of, you know, he got the yards that were there and then they threw him one screen pass, which, you know, everyone was sort of excited about, like get this guy out in space, kind of like what you guys are looking with Waddle and see what he can do. And, uh, Chris Godwin missed the block on Ramsey. It was a Rams game and Ramsey came in and dropped him as soon as he caught the ball. So oh. that's been the Jalen Darden thing. People are excited about him when you watch him in training camp, like super fast. His ability to go from receiver to runner is lightning quick. Yeah. Um, And uh, we're excited about him. But, you know, you got Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin. uh, And then, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson, the third round pick last year, made huge catches in the playoffs for us. Uh, Used to have Scotty Miller. He went on IR. But, you know, you had Scotty Miller in front of him. So plus uh, Gronk and. OJ Howard and Cameron Bray, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, he will be, Jason Light, the GM of the Bucks, said this, you know, after the draft or going into the draft. And he said, he had, looking at this, you know, going into this draft, it's going to be more about like in two years where where you're going to look back and go, I'm really glad we have this guy. And yeah, I think, no, I mean, Darden's a guy that, like, I was very high on in the draft and, and am very high on his future and his ceiling, uh, similar to Tristan Wirfs mm-hmm. last year, uh, which I'm still jealous of, especially after what we said about Austin Jackson. Right. Um, now, I got to ask you guys as well. Your injury report leads like, reads like a walking wounded list, and Rob Gronkowski was, was the name that brought it back up for me. What's the status on Gronk as well as – you're everyone that you guys have on the walking wounded list today because it, it's a long one. Uh, well, Gronk has a couple of cracked ribs and like uh, his lung is, they're calling it a, a puncture, but it's really like a pinch. Okay. Um, that came from the hit on uh, uh, in New England. No, was it New England? No, he was in the Rams. Was, with the Rams board. game. They went, he got x-rayed. He actually came back, but then, you know, then, so he's got some, some, you know, micro fractures in the ribs so he probably won't be back the entire starting secondary as far as the corners go are all out yeah um carlton davis who's a very underrated corner um i heard his quad in 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 a on a punt uh punt return yeah Uh, yeah they put him in he he had had he had had hamstring issues and then they were like oh we'll put him in here for special teams for a punt return and he hurt his quad so he's down. Sean Murphy Bunting got hurt uh, when Antoine Winfield ran him over, and he hurt his elbow. That was it, week one. That was week one. And now Jamel Dean uh, also is uh, nowhere to be seen. Got a banged so, up knee. Yeah. And Jason so Pierre Paul missed last week with his shoulder. Yeah. He's on there. Um, who else popped up on there? Patrick O'Connor, he's a rotational inside guy, probably yeah. fourth, fifth. Did you mention Antoine Winfield? Because I know he's somebody we were, a lot of Dolphin fans were Yeah, concussion. On. Yeah, he <laughs> left last week's game with a concussion, and he's probably not going to make it back 
for this game because of concussion protocol. But the Bucks really run a three-safety rotation with Mike Edwards out of Kentucky and uh, uh, James Whitehead out of Pitt. Not James Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead out of Pitt. Um, Whitehead's the big thumper, plays in the box, probably the hardest hitter on the team. And then Edwards is the center fielder, sideline to yeah. sideline, ball hawk but, guy. Yeah, ball hawk had two pick sixes in the in the Falcons game. So, yeah. So the 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 secondary for the Bucks is um, what's what's a what's a what's a polite way of saying it, Ren? Um, Unproven. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're going with Richard Sherman, who they you know who played last week against the Patriots after getting just three days of practice. Uh, and then they've got Desir and who else? Uh, Ross Cockrell. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, yeah Ross Cockrell's like a fourth corner. You know, yeah. he's a great fourth corner, but problem is he's a fourth corner. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be playing, and then you know he'll be playing in the slot, and then you know opposite uh, Sherman, if uh, you know Carlton Davis doesn't come back, is going to be a guy on the practice squad. So uh, you know, it's um, Todd Bowles is going to have to do some things to help the back end out. Um, and no, absolutely. Don't allocate it's, so, I mean, so much you're going to have to generate a pass rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he's going to have to do some things. Um, like last week, I even saw like he had uh, Shaq Barrett back in coverage in the middle of the field quite often. Uh, and he looked okay. He forced a fumble. Like, <laughs> wouldn't get Yeah, but burnt. he's such a good pass rusher. To, it's true. To strip him it's back true. Like but, that. you know, short term. Uh, sacrifice for long-term gains. It's just that's that's how bad the the secondary is right now. It's Oof. it's it's beat up, man. It's beat up bad. So you're tell. So let let me change my answer. Basically, uh, Miami starts sending guys over the top. That's how we see Miami win in the uh, final uh, moments. There, if uh, that's the case. Yeah, if if you can get Jackson to uh to actually perform like an actual uh, offensive lineman and not like a stick in the mud, yeah, or yeah. give him a lot of help, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's I, I think the Bucks are beatable. Um, Todd Bowles is probably going to play a lot of too high, not get, let anybody beat him over the top. But you have to be a very disciplined team. If you can put yeah. together seven to twelve play drives that get five to twelve yards per play. You can, the Bucks are there to be had. If you can't, if you hold or you jump off sides or illegal motions, if you, and you can't protect your quarterback, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough road and you're probably going to lose by a couple scores. Do you guys, how's your secondary when it comes to jump balls? Uh, unproven because the, the guys that you're going to see, yeah, there's not a lot of jump balls out there. I mean, talk about Mike Edwards, uh, he's a ball hawk. Um, yep. you know, Carlton Davis will knock it down. He kind of has hands of stone, but he's not playing right now. Uh, Cockrell will compete. Cockrell's very good within the, in the, uh, in the box, sort of like the first 10 yards to the sticks. You get him anything past that, his lack of athleticism really starts to show and he can't hang with guys. Um, so anybody that gets like at a str- sort of a straight line speed that they got, you know, 10 to 12 yards to run, they're going to sort of lose him um and yeah and like carney said it's kind of unproven because everyone else really don't know like how not a lot of teams throw jump balls against the buccaneers i'm just curious because with gasicki with Devonte parker 
with the fact that Preston Williams may play this week, mm-hmm. these are all tremendously tall dudes that tend to go up and get the ball a lot and win a lot of those contested catch type gotcha. situations. Gotcha. Uh, they can also get very open as well. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Cockrell. If Miami can scheme to get Waddle against Cockrell, that could be a big mismatch this week, similar to the Justin Coleman against, the, uh, you know, Chris Godwin match right. we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's That could be one area that, that Miami could get it done with. Now, I haven't actually looked. How's the run defense been for Tampa this year? Still the best in the league for three years. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. Teams like, don't even try. Well, it's good because yeah. we refuse to run the ball against poor run defenses, so I'm, I'm guessing we'll probably refuse to run the ball against you know, a tremendous one. Okay. Well, here you go. Yeah. Teams, yeah. teams like a couple of teams have had, of the four games, two teams have had less than 10 rushing attempts against us. Yeah. They don't like even last, try. last week, the, the Patriots, I think, had eight rushes for minus one yards. Yeah. As a team. <laughs> yeah. We actually <laughs> held them in negative rushing yards. And barely. Uh, th- I heard that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, check PFF on that. <laughs> see if that's any good uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun uh, for sure and i think that uh this is going to be uh a, a much uh much more a cl- i think it's going to be actually closer now now that you've talked about this paul than uh than i would have said maybe before this show started oh miami's so, got to actually call those plays though and that's yeah that's where very you know. true very true. Let's just hope Bill Vinovich's crew isn't officiating this game. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, that's a that's another story uh, that that I've told uh, that we talked about on Sunday. But uh, but definitely uh, definitely going to be a, a fun one here this Sunday at Raymond James St. Paul. Uh, let uh, let our folks know uh, where they can find you and uh, how to get a, how to listen to uh, the on the fin side. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, for on the fin side. We're on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, you know, we're part of the fan sided network. Uh, via, you can check us out over on finfanatic.com. Uh, in addition to that, your best place to follow us is social media at on the fin side uh, with an F. And then I'm fanatic underscore pick on Twitter with a PH. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm usually pretty easy to find. I'm very vocal. Uh, I tend to not spoil games if you're not watching it live, but you know, do do a gif along as I like to call it, where uh, something happens in a game. I'll usually leave a reactionary gif out there with no explanation. Uh, so that's cool. The so folks if you're watching the game, you live, get it. But get if it, you're not, but if I'm not you're ruining not, it for you. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. Smart. I like that. And if you could do me a favor, Paul, um, drop drop uh, your Twitter handle and the uh, handle to the pod in the, in the in the private chat. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, before you go, so I can tag you when when this goes out and tag you in the in the pod and all that goes out. But uh, thanks for joining us, man. Yes, um, thank you thanks for having me. Anytime you guys want to do this, anytime you guys want to kick it about the Dolphins, you know, maybe we'll have an all Florida Super Bowl this year for somehow some way since Miami did. Get the double-digit wins from one and three last year, and then you know we can do this again right before the Super Bowl. I don't think it's Bucks Jags are in the works. <laughs> What's that? I don't think Bucks Jags in the works. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Urban Meyer is going to lose his job well before that. Oh happens. my God! What a oh! I've never seen anything like that. What a mess! Jesus! It's like 
It's like the curse of who's a dumbass at Louisville. Bobby Petrino. Yeah, it's like it's like Bobby Petrino 2.0, just like worse. It's, it's the Delta it's variant because, of Bobby Petrino. <laughs> it's it's worse because Bobby Petrino at least quit and made sure that Arthur Blank didn't have to pay him. Whereas I think that Urban Meyer is going to get fired at the bye week, and Shad Khan's going to have to pay him now. Well, let's yeah. face it, Shad Khan's the Delta variant of NFL owners at this point. Ouch! Oh Jesus! Over Daniel Snyder. Wow. His Shad Khan's best accomplishment thus far was putting a zip line and swimming pools inside of his stadium. Well, I, I would I would say his mustache and wardrobe, but well, yes, you know zip-line. that's. <laughs> also true, but I just meant as far as NFL accomplishments. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. All right, Paul. Man, All right, thanks Paul. a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. No thanks, problem. Paul. Be good, brother. Oops, cut him off. He gone. He gone. <laughs> <laughs> that is Paul Pinkett from uh, On the Fin Side uh, podcast, part of the Fan Sided Network, along with us here at the Pewtercast. Uh, I'll tell you that that Paul's. Uh, Paul's talk about the um, the jump balls yeah. has really given me pause as to whether or not I may actually wager on this game on Friday when we when we do our predictions and our picks uh, on BetUS.com. And the Pewtercast is sponsored by BetUS.com, the well, leader in online wagering. Again, 27 years in the business of paying its customers and uh, you can get uh, all of your NFL college football lines coming up here very soon. Both the NBA and the NF uh, and the NHL will be starting and they'll have those lines. You can bet on UFC fights on PGA rounds. And of course, Ren's favorite, the ponies, the ponies and you can do th- at, at betus.com again, call one, 1- 888-MY-BET-US or go to BETUS.com and use the promo code in our YouTube uh, overlay there. Promo code PewterC, that's the letter C, 125. And that will get you a 125% sign-up bonus. So if you sign up, use the promo code PewterC125 and deposit 100 bucks, you get $125 in bonus cash. So you're actually playing with 225 bucks, And if you're a Bitcoin freak, uh, you can uh, use crypto and actually get even more of a bonus by using Pewter C the same way with the number 200 when you go to BetUS.com. BetUS.com, you bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS is a sponsor of the PewterCast. Yeah, also the best way to support the show. Yes, it is the best way. To support the show, though so we we like any way that you support the show. Uh, the best the best way is through BetUS. We also uh, like it if you're watching on YouTube to hit that subscribe button, uh, the bell, the notification bell is always a big plus as well. Uh, in order to uh, make sure that you never miss a single one of these episodes. So, uh, what did you what did you take away from uh, from Paul's comments there, Ren? Well, you know, let's start with with uh, where we started the interview. So we're with Tua. Um, I thought it was very interesting that how he talked about how he really didn't have the strength back in his back leg to be able to drive the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his point is 
you know, we know that being sports fans of any team, um, you know, you want the new toy to be, you know, a uh, Hall of Famer right out the gate. We kind of got missed that all of last year because Tristan Worth did look like a Hall of Famer coming right out of the gate. Yes. Um, you know, um, and uh, they've heaped a whole bunch of praise on Joe Tryon. There started to be a little bit of pushback on him. Then he comes in with two sacks. Uh, so that'll go away for a while. But um, if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd still be very optimistic about Tua. Because it's not like he didn't he didn't forget how to throw the football. He just sort of has to relearn it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, through therapy and things like that. Um, so we started there. Uh, but what I, I guess what I found most interesting was sort of in Brian Flores' third year – he doesn't have a handle whatsoever at all, at least according you know to Paul about their offense. Yeah, and who's calling it? And you got two offensive coordinators, and then the quarterback coach is calling the ball. Like, so those guys are really offense assistants. You know, like like I'm a game plan assistant is what you really are. Yeah. Um. You know, I haven't watched a lot of Dolphins games, and so I don't, I don't, and I feel bad like sort of not going a hundred percent in on what Paul said about about as far as their play calling and stuff. Um, I think he knows what he, what he's seeing. I would just like to be able to ask, you know, coach Flores, like with Paul's concerns about why is the offense so conservative and told it's too late and see what he has to say with that. Um, and then I guess the defensive philosophy again, you know, he in his third year, starting his third year and, they went from a really good defense with a really creative type of scheme, and they've changed it, and it seems to have not been nearly – it's not working as well. And, you know, Paul's right. Like, that's a very, very good mm-hmm. uh, corner cornerback duo. Yeah. And in, in Jones and Howard. So, uh, like he said, like, they have a lot of players and a lot of pieces. They just haven't put it together yet, and it just sounds like right now – the Dolphins just don't have like a tier one coaching staff. Yeah, and for me, uh, I thought that when when Paul said that, you know, it seems like the coaching staff says feels that they're smarter than the league, and they're doing right. these things to try and tr- be different. Like they're right. cha- they change things for the sake of changing things. Like on the offensive line, moving, you know, their right tackle into guard, moving. Uh, you know, the, the guard to tackle, you know, not knowing what they're doing with Eichenberg uh, right. and, you know, Austin, you know, and then everything, like you said, with the defensive philosophy going from the whatever philosophy that kept offenses off balance and going to something more vanilla that all the all these offensive players have seen. It, it just seems like they're out. They're trying to outsmart themselves and they're not really succeeding and out outsmarting themselves, but they're definitely outdumbing themselves. Yeah. They seem to be, at least in my eyes, they seem to be pretty good value, uh, talent evaluators. Yes. But once they get the talent, they don't really have sort of a clear vision on how to use them. And, you know, we kind of saw that crap with Allie under Cutter. You know, he went from guard to center to other guard. Yeah. In, in a span of three years, you know, and it's just like, like this guy was about to make the Pro Bowl, like, and then you move him to center because I don't know, you don't want to sign one in free agency. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get that. Um, 
and then and then you move him over to the other guard to sort of like help out Donovan Smith and and you know help him when Donovan forgets the calls or doesn't hear the calls and I don't know make him feel better because they're best friends. All I'm telling you, all that went into putting Allie over there was it was mostly to help Donovan Smith than anything else. Um, per Donovan Smith, by the way. Um, so yeah, it's just it it seems like a team that. And I don't want to say that it's rudderless or leaderless, but the guys in charge just don't kind of. It doesn't seem like they're all on the same page. Yeah, I yeah. can. I certainly, I certainly see that, and that was probably the most, the most interesting uh, piece that I got out of it. And, and then, of course, the fact that you know, with that offensive line being so bad and so poor this year, you would think that you know. If they're not stopping AJ Eppen has a um, if JPP if JPP plays this week, uh, you know, great. If he doesn't, you know, that means that Will Golston may get uh, may get some uh, his some third in sack on, of the year on Jacoby Brissett. How is Will Golston tied for the team lead in sacks? Will Golston and, and he's I had twelve his whole entire career. And and how many offensive linemen do you think it's going to take to block Vita Vea? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a Pollock joke. <laughs> How many Pollocks take screwing a light bulb? Like, yeah. like, I don't know. More than the Dolphins have. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know about a little bit about their offensive line. Plus, so many times as Bucks fans, I feel like, oh, we got them. And even this year, oh, we got oh, It started with the Dallas game. Oh, yeah, here it comes. And then nothing. You know, and then, like, you know, one sack, no sack, bunch of pressures, you know, defense backfields getting worked. So... Well, and, and and like Richard said uh, in the in the comments on YouTube, you know, will Brian Flores do what Belichick did and try and take away what the Bucks do best offensively? It took me a while to figure out what their plan was, and it was obviously to me was take away Godwin. Mm-hmm. You know, take away Godwin and then have run dime and uh, make Brady throw short, and uh, the weather. Uh, really, you know, played into the hands, and then of course, again, the referees, who I swear, <laughs> that was, it was it was such an atrociously called game. Yeah, and only one of the calls went for the Bucks. So, anyway, that game's over with. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. No, let's uh, let's not talk about it. Let's talk about the fact that uh, ESPN's matchup predictor right now has the Bucks seventy five twenty five. So okay. Yeah, and they're also. I think they're they're favored by ten and a half. Uh, yeah, I'd have to look and see what the lines are on BetUS.com. Yeah, yeah, that's where I looked. That's where I so. got it from. I've already got two of my bets, man. I've already placed them. Nice. Doing we'll another talk- uh, doing another teaser this week. Another he's teasing again. He's such a rent such a tease. I don't. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm having a hard time finding a a third bet. To be honest, one that yeah. I'm comfortable with. It might be. It might end up being an under over, um, but I'm also looking at the Broncos Steelers game. But that all depends on where Bridgewater's at if he's going to come back or not. So if it looks when like we'll he get comes back. I might jump on that. Yeah, we'll get to all of those on Friday's episode. Yes, Barry's of the Petercast as uh, Barry Barger of BetUS.com will join us uh, for uh, for a, he, maybe maybe he can diagnose why I'm so bad at this. Oh, I can tell you why. Why making is that? bad picks? Well, okay. Why am I making bad picks? Because you're not very good at betting. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll definitely. 
maybe maybe Barry will have something a little more um, constructive. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh, constructive? No, I don't. Well, I only well, have criticisms. I do not have constructive. Criticism. Well, no, because all I'll say, all I'll say to you is, how do I, how do I get better? And your answer will be, bet make what I better bet. picks. <laughs> bet what I bet. Bet what I bet. <laughs> okay. Well, well, then, how do you? I, I we can do this all night. Sure. You know? Well, I, look, I look my philosophy on betting and. I know it's not everyone's, but, you know, it was kind of like the David Mills pick, right? I was getting a terrible payout on it, but I knew I was going to win. Mm-hmm. So I didn't care that I had to spend 50 bucks to make $22 because I'm going to win. And that's what I'm doing with these teasers, you know? It's like one of them is Green Bay versus the Bengals, and I'm getting four and a half for Green Bay. I'm getting four and a half. You know, it's like, so like, am I going to lose that? No. You know, if I bet Green Bay just to win, do I, do I, you know, or or have to cover the three and a half, which they probably will. Will I make more money by just, you know, if on a $50 bet? Yeah, I will. But I'd rather make sure I win because, hey, you're not losing. So yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of my philosophy. It's like why it's funny. You bet like the like the Dolphins coaching staff coach. You try to thread the needle on these. You're trying to look for the best value, and you just you're just trying to win. Just win. It doesn't matter. So we'll see what happens. I saw, um, I saw in the in the comments a. Uh, uh, a, you know, someone asking about Stefan Gilmore. I want to save that to Friday. Yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about Stefan Gilmore, and we'll talk more about uh, what's going on uh, with the Bucks themselves when we uh, when we do our Friday show here on the Peter Cast. Uh, that will be a, a noon. If if I'm uh, if I, I have think I'm trying to move it to eleven. Eleven. So I'm not so kind of crunched on time. Eleven Eastern. Okay. Um, I have to hear back from Barry because, of course, as you know, yeah, all Steve, for on. some reason, my phone won't send texts when I'm at home or accept phone calls or make phone calls or send texts or accept texts. So there's that think, I'm working think on got, still. You got, you got a Faraday cage in your, uh, in your house that just kills all signals. There's no, there's no electronic signals in your house. Yeah, anymore. I know. It's weird. It's uh, very, you know, very, very strange. So Unless you're streaming... Or any th- other, <laughs> or anything yes. else. It's just anything, my, anything it's just has to do with your phone. phone. Just my phone. Just somebody. Somebody phone. did a a, a a drone EMP strike on my phone. On your just on your phone. Yes. Unreal. It unreal. Is completely All right. unreal. All right. We have gone. We've gone seventy five and off the rails and completely off the rails. So let's bounce on out of here. Ren, All right. give us a Ren addiction, and where can we find? You? Best place to find me is at the PeterCast. I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football, but if you feel like your tweet is too hot and don't want to put it out there in Twitter, feel free to slide in my DMs, and I'll talk Buccaneers football with you there as well, too. Yep, and you can get me at, at Steve Carney, stpete9.com, for Rays stuff under the Orange Roof podcast uh, for the Rays. For more about the Rays, who will start the playoffs tomorrow night at uh, Tropicana Field, game one of the best five, best of five ALDS against the Red Sox. I have Rays in four. Uh, so uh, until next time, uh, make sure that you subscribe 
to the PewterCast, uh, whether it's here on YouTube or on any podcast platform that we're on, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, leave us ratings and reviews. Thank you uh, to Phil Pick, uh, to Paul Pickin. I keep on calling him Phil. Phil, uh, Paul Pickin from FinFanatic.com and the On the Fin Side podcast, part of the fan-sided network, one of our great sponsors along with BetUS.com. And until next time, mm. then go buck yourself. And my SIM card's not bad because the text and the phone works when I'm not at when home. He's not, when he's not at home, it's just his house. It's just in my house. I'm telling you, drone strike, EMP. Thank <laughs> you.